Right, we are carrying on our series in the Ten Commandments, and we are looking at the Fifth Commandment today. So if you've got a Bible, you can open it to uh, either Exodus 20, verse 12, or Deuteronomy 5, verse 16. And if you've got, keep your Bible out or keep your phone out if it's on there, because we're going to be moving around the Bible today, so you might need it out and you might need to flick to the right place. So keep it available. Honour your father and mother. This is the commandment I know that all our young people have been waiting for. I really want to know how to do it. They've been fasting, I'm sure, this week, praying in anticipation. Excited. <laughs> yes, sarcasm, Abbas, yes. It's not very good, is it? Honour your father and mother. It says in Exodus 20, verse 12, the fifth commandment. Honour your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. And then in Deuteronomy 5, verse 16, it says, Honour your father and mother as the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live long and that it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Honour your father and mother. It seems to be one of those things that is universally accepted, something shared by many tribes, by tribes, cultures, nations around the world, honouring your parents. And it's not just parents. It seems to be universally accepted about older people. It seems to be part of almost the natural law God has put in human hearts. Last year there was an article in the Huffington Post um, online and it was called Seven Cultures That Celebrate Aging and Honour Their Older People. And uh, it, it, uh, it noted a few of them and it said in Korean culture Young's not here anymore, is he? He would have been able to tell us about this. In Korean culture, older people are shown respect. They make a big thing of people's 60th and 70th birthdays. They're great celebrations. When you have your 60th birthday, it is this great celebration of coming into um, entry into old age. And then when you get into your 70th birthday, there's this sense of becoming old and rare. A celebration of being old and rare. Doesn't sound very good in our language, does it? But it's, it's of great respect and great honour. The article noted, uh, noted that in Greece, um, the abbots in monasteries, I don't know, what, what would, how would you say abbots? The religious people in, in the, the monasteries... It's all right, I won't be able to say it in Farsi anyway. But the, 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 the religious uh, uh, men, monks in the monasteries in Greece are, are known as Goronda, which means old man, and is a reference to their wisdom and obedience, 
uh, sorry, their wisdom and their closeness to God. So if you called someone old man in our culture, it may not go down well. It's a sign of respect, of closeness to God, of wisdom. And in China, a place which has traditionally honoured its older people, even now where uh, many uh, um, other uh, influences are coming in uh, to that nation, what, they're, uh, what they've done is they've put into law the fact that uh, you must visit your parents regularly if they're aging. You must do it on a regular basis. And there's a fine or a jail sentence if you don't do it. Elderly parents can also sue their grown children if they feel they're not meeting their financial or emotional needs. Just like that one, Jonathan Angela? Just noting Josh there. Take him to court for not meeting your emotional needs. <laughs> He's a good boy. He's a good lad. But... And even the UN have noticed it and said, right, we are going to have, and they have had for many years now, an uh, international day of older people. 1st of October is the UN's International Older Persons Day. But all of us, I guess, would probably say that in our culture, in Western society, there seems to be some kind of tension with this commandment. It, it kind of causes a number of problems and issues for some of the way we think in our society. For instance, we are drawn to youthfulness. So the thought of honouring older people can be very strange. For instance, um, age discrimination within work has now become uh, a common phrase. Um, so much so that the government have a champion within business to... Uh, uh, champion older workers and all the skills and experience they bring, saying that there's not enough done in the workplace to acknowledge the, some of the skills and experience of older people. We don't like authority. There's something in us that wants to rebel against our work manager, the police, politicians. Authority is not highly regarded in our day. We're cynical. We're cautious. Sometimes for good reason. And sometimes because our culture is shaping us that way. And so parents are often just seen as someone else to rebel against. We live for the now moment. We don't really think about or put much emphasis on the past or the future. Only if it affects me now. What I can earn now. What I can spend now. What I can experience now. Why would I want to help those who are older than me? What does that do for me now? That'll hinder my enjoyment, my desires, my wants, my achievements. <laughs> Well, this morning I want us to focus on this commandment and see that this commandment speaks of 
God the Father's family. It's the commandment that God the Son speaks into. And it's the commandment that God the Spirit lives through and into. Honour your father and mother. See, some people have um, say it's quite helpful to divide the Ten Commandments into two sets. Okay, so we've had the first four already, haven't we? Um, do not, uh, come on, let's go for it. Have no other gods but me. Don't make idols. Other idols, yeah. Misusing the Lord's name in vain. And Sabbath, okay, yeah. Some people say that it's helpful to look at the first four as how we relate to God and the remaining six as how we relate as a community together. And so if that's the case, then I want us to see this morning how it's interesting that this commandment is the first of that second set. See, God sees the family unit as vitally important to community life. God wanted his people to know that family was at the centre of his purposes. Now, you might be single here today and hear that, well, well, I'm not counted in that then. Or you might say, well, my my family, my my parents or, or my wife or my children are back in my home nation and because of persecution I've had to come here. So, so where do I fit? Listen, just, just hear me out for a minute. These, the family unit was so important in the, the fabric of the community. That's why we need to keep preaching about marriage, good marriages, good parenting, all that kind of stuff. However, the people of God were meant to be family together and with one another. So regardless of if you're single if your family are in another nation, if your kids have moved out, if you don't have kids, you are part of the family of God. So there's many, many different ways the church is described in the Bible. It's described as an army. It's described as a body. Um, it's described as... Uh, a bride, excellent Luke, yes, described as a bride. But do you know the main description of the church is family? It's family. Do you know, I've really, really enjoyed this prayer week. And, and what I felt. What I felt is that as we've gathered together in different settings, not always all together, I've I've sensed this kind of close connection. This is this is family. We're getting together as family to pray. This is not this is not just uh, colleagues praying for certain. No, no, we're family coming together to pray. I wonder if you've sensed that this week as well as you've gathered, whether it's at seven o'clock in the morning. (laughs) dreary-eyed, or in the evening, or during the day. So, whilst this commandment talks about honouring parents, 
I want us to see that, in fact, it's opening up something much wider. The people of God are family. Well, let's just focus in on to how the Israelites would have understand it, understood it. The Hebrew word honour means much more than we would expect. We just think of honour as, well, show some respect. Speak when you're spoken to. Don't be cheeky. Someone might show someone honour. Think they're showing someone honour by never saying no to them. I like it when many of our Middle Eastern friends say no to me because it's good. I don't want them to say yes to me all the time because they think it's an honourable thing to do even when they want to say no. When they want to say no, I want them to say no. (laughs) Yes, Abbas does it very well. See, honour meant something so much more. It meant submitting to a parent's leadership and their care and a helping to provide for their needs when and if they were not able to. This is serious. God is serious about it. And we read in Deuteronomy chapter 21 that there were serious consequences for a son or daughter who didn't do this. It describes a son who will not listen to his parents. And rather than being known as someone who cares for and tries to provide for his family, he's known as a greedy, lazy drunk. It was not acceptable among the Israelites. Now, this is more than just a teenager who won't tidy their room or grunts to communicate with you. No, no, this was willful, active rebellion against their parents. See, the parent-child relationship was key because this was one of the ways that the nation would remember all that God had done in and through them. He had rescued them and they were to teach their children, remind their children of what God had done and their children after that and their children after that. And this is also the commandment that God, the Son, speaks into. See, the things that Jesus says about family and this commandment suggest that there's a really close link between it and what we think of God. So he kind of confronts the religious leaders of his day, and we read about it in Mark chapter 7, and he says to them, you know, they know, they know the the commandment, honour your father and mother, But there was this kind of tradition that they could kind of declare certain things, even amounts of money, uh, korban, as it it says in the scripture, uh, they they declare this money, a pot of money, exclusive to God. This is dedicated to God. This money can only be given to God. It's a bit like having a voucher that you can only spend in one shop. Do you know when you get that at a birthday? Oh brilliant, £10 that I can only spend in Aldi. Aldi. I would would like that. (laughs) So they were saying, no, no, this money I'm dedicating to God. 
It's Corban. And some of them were declaring this money, parts of this money, Corban, dedicated to God, exclusive to God, this is just for the temple, and therefore refusing to help their parents because of it. Essentially, they were saying, you know, the money, um, the money I was going to use so that you could eat this month is now going to the temple. You know, this is, there's no social, social care, there's no pension, there's none of that stuff. What you might have had, what I might have given you, mum, dad, this week to eat, well, you can't have it, it's going to the temple. They were putting human tradition over God's commands. They were leaving their parents in desperate need because of this. And they were dishonouring God. And you know, we can do the same. We can say, I'm too busy serving God and I don't have any time for my parents or helping them. Do you know, we miss the part of the call to be Jesus' followers, to honour our parents. So when my dad rings me and wants to talk and ask how I am and ask how the family is and I'm too busy and I'm checking my church emails at the same time because I've got loads to do, don't you understand, dad? Yeah, 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 just nodding as he talks. Yep. I'm dishonouring him. Although, Jesus has another way, though, that he says that what we think of family is linked to how we think of God. He says this in Matthew 10, verse 37, whoever loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son and daughter more than me is not worthy of me. In other words, Jesus is saying, I am worth putting first in your life. Even before father, mother, son, daughter. Hey, that might offend you today. But that's the words of Jesus. And they are true today as they were 2,000 years ago. So in the case of dedicating money to the temple, Jesus is saying, look, don't put human tradition and trying to give money to earn my acceptance above my command to honour your parents. And in the case of who you love more, he's saying, look, don't put human relationships above me. He's making the same point in both those. He's making a point about where you put your trust. He's saying, don't put it in human effort. Don't put it in your family. Put it in me. And thirdly, it's the commandment that God the Spirit brings life to. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6, if you can. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians is in the New Testament. So we've been in the Old Testament. We're going now to the New Testament towards the end. And we're looking, going from verse 1. And we see that here, 
the commandment is quoted by Paul when he's writing to children in this letter to the Ephesians. He says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honour your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well for you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. And at first sight, we might just say, well, is he just repeating the command? He's just repeating the command, isn't he? It's just, just, he's just telling them again, just do it. Well, actually, no, because he's saying, do you know, there is a different reason now for this. There is a different motivation now for this. Our good friend John Hosier, who, um, if you've been around for many years, you'll remember, used to come and visit us, um, a Bible teacher from, uh, on the South Coast, um, he says this about this passage. He says, everything that Paul says about family life and relationships in Ephesians chapter 5 and 6 is an outworking of the command in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Why don't we read Ephesians chapter 5, 18 together, if you have it. Ephesians chapter 5, 18 says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit, meaning keep, be being filled. Keep on being filled with the Spirit. What will relationships look like in this Spirit-filled community? Well, they'll look like how Paul describes. See, being filled with the Spirit, walking in the Spirit affects our daily life, it affects our decisions, it affects our relationships. The command, honour your father and mother, will now, because of the Spirit's indwelling in us, will be worked out from the inside out. Just as Raj was talking about being devoted, doesn't just happen by having the right church structures or by a little bit of manipulation, or by just saying to people, come on, be devoted. No, no, it comes from the Spirit indwelling you and I and causing us to be devoted to Jesus, who he is, and to one another. Paul's saying this will be a characteristic of the church filled with the Spirit, a Spirit-filled community, that the children will honour their parents. That was always going to be how the Ten Commandments were to work. They were never to be a set of rules to score ourselves on each day. No, no, they would be lived out, worked out, as the Spirit empowers you and I. And he also gives some advice to parents. Have we got time for this? Yeah, we do. Yeah. He gives some advice to parents. I know we're talking about children honouring their father and mother, but he says this. Don't exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the tradition and instruction 
of the Lord. So, to have that attitude, my children should just honour me regardless. Do you know, it isn't right. It's not in the Bible. Rather, it shows that your attitude to them, your investment in them, your manner to them is really, really important. So, to use an example, parents, how do you see your role on a Sunday morning? Is it just to bring your children along so that you can dispatch them to children's work as soon as possible? Or is it to use the time to help them to see what it means to worship Jesus? To help them to sing, to help them to celebrate, to help them to pray. It's not easy, but we're looking for the, look for the moments. So interesting with the, uh, Theo's picture that Jen brought. You know, at one point he's just drawing a thing for his bedroom and the next minute he's writing, Jesus is the King of Kings. Look for those moments where God is speaking to them, where they're learning to worship Jesus, where they're learning to put him first. Or were they just a ex- distraction to your enjoyment? Did they just get in the way? I just want to worship Jesus and get away. I remember one parent telling me, of the defining moment for them when they realised that one of the main acts of worship for them on a Sunday was to serve their children and to help them to worship. Okay, some questions, just some questions that people may have about this um, commandment. What if your parents are not Christians? Well, actually, the Bible doesn't say only honour them if they're Christians. We're called to honour them whether they are or not. But in matters of obedience and faith, we're to put Jesus first. I haven't got time to go into all of these, but I hope some of this might be helpful. What if they've not been the greatest parent in the world? Do you know, and I know there will be many here for which that will be the experience. But do you know, I also know people here who, in some way, they have been able to forgive for whatever reason, to reach out in friendship to that parent or parents, to share the gospel even with them. And that has brought tremendous freedom to them. What if you can't help them? What if? What if they are in your home country? What if you have parents, older relatives, and you have to watch at a distance? Well, do you know, God knows. And you can pray. Don't undervalue it. You can come to God in prayer. I'm helpless, God, to help, but you are not. Reach out your hand to them. Okay, where do we go from here? See, do you see that this commandment speaks so powerfully to our society? Getting older is kind of one of the things that we dread. We want to stay young forever. We want to hide old age away. But as Christians, we have a glorious hope. And this commandment is a reflection of that hope. 
See, getting old isn't really an optional thing, is it? As much as we might try and battle against it. It will happen to you and I. Unless Jesus returns, men and women will keep ageing. But there is something to come. Death is not the end. The message of Christianity is there is hope. See, Jesus was the one who ultimately honoured his father in every way, even in obedience to being put to death on a cross for our sin. And his resurrection from death, he was raised to life, and anyone who puts their trust in him finds new, eternal life in his life. And they can be sure that they have a certain hope because of him. The love of the perfect father that he has for his perfect son is now ours because of the cross if we choose to trust in him. So life is not simply a conveyor belt towards old age and death. It's lived in the light of this love in certain hope of a glorious, glorious future eternity with Jesus. Listen, whatever age you are, live in that truth. But let me just, let me just end with this um, about, I just want to speak to anyone who is in their later years. And this is um, taken from something um, from one of the commentaries around Deuteronomy. And he says that, you know, our society implies that once you've got past your middle age, your opportunity for your greatest achievements has passed. It's gone. You've missed it. But he mentions the painter Monet, who produced masterpieces at the age of 85. Michelangelo, whose famous painting, The Last Judgment, was done at 69. Winston Churchill, who became World War II Prime Minister, aged 65. If you had looked at his life, 60 and before, many would have just judged it as a failure. John Wesley, who at 88 was still preaching twice a day. William Wilberforce, whose Christian faith drove him to fight his whole life to abolish the slave trade. And at 73, died three days before the law was passed to abolish it. Or countless Christians around the world who know that God's plan for them doesn't just stop when they reach a number. Or faithful Christians in this church who believe that there is purpose and um, the Spirit empowers them for the future. That their greatest years are even ahead of them. For those faithful ones amongst us, I want to honour them. I look up to them and say, I want to be like that when I'm there. I want us to finish by thanking God for our family. And uh, to do this, I've asked a couple of people just to pray. Um, Pauline and Gav, do you want to just come out for a minute? I'm going to ask Pauline to pray. She won't mind me saying this, but I'm going to ask Pauline to pray for the, the, the under 50s in the church and pray God's blessing on you and I. And then I'm going to ask Gav to pray, representing the kind of younger spectrum of the church, to pray for those older 50, over 50s.
that they would know that there are plans and purposes for them. And I know some people go, oh, I'm still young over 50, but you know, I've got to, you've got to divide it somewhere, haven't you? And uh, I'll, I, will, I will stand up and be, be shot for that. But let's pray together. Let's come to God in prayer.